Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Kia ora everybody, nice to be with you again. And this is week two of my usual February series where I talk about the vision for Windsor Park, our church, as we head into a new year. Not that we know what the new year is going to bring, but we kind of talk about what we might anticipate. In the past, over the past number of years, I've talked about our dreams and visions for ministries or things that we felt God has been leading us to get involved in. I've often talked about the story of our history. I've sought to honor those who have gone before us for the last 73 years who have put their faith into action. And I've often shown pictorials of our structure that has developed over time to kind of hold everything together. More so people kind of know who we are and how we work things out. This year, I've felt led to take a bit of a different tack and to speak from two familiar stories. Last week, we looked at a story from John chapter 4, where Jesus speaks at length to a Samaritan woman. It's the longest discussion that Jesus has with an individual in the Gospels, so it's significant. In that story, we are challenged to think about the way we interact with people who don't fit our neat and tidy boxes, and we are challenged both from the perspective of Jesus and from the perspective of the woman. Personally, I thought it was a really good message. If you didn't hear it, you can see it on our website or on our app, on YouTube, on Facebook. You can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most podcast providers. It really is going viral. It was so good. Well, maybe in my dreams it's going viral. The point of that message, though, was an old point. Our our vision is not really about programs, services, buildings, music, money, and many of the tangible things we actually do often talk a lot about. Our ultimate vision is about helping people, including ourselves, drink of the water. That means we will never thirst. The water that will become in us a spring of water welling up to eternal life, as Jesus says in John chapter 4, verses 13 to 14. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase of the Bible, it's not the actual Bible, but it's called the message, puts those words of Jesus like this. Anyone who drinks the water I, Jesus, give will never thirst. Not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. I love that language. Who doesn't want that? What a a vision to have. To experience that and then the desire to make that known to other people. Well, today I'm going to speak from another familiar story, this time from the Old Testament. Like last week, most of you will know it. In fact, the story is so well embedded in our world that the title of it has become a phrase in our ordinary language and in fact in people's languages all around the world. The challenge with familiar stories, though, is that they can become too familiar. We know them so well that we can lose some of the significance and the impact of why they were told in the first place and what they mean for the way that God would have us live. 
The Bible is God's word to us. It, it, it speaks to us. The familiar story that I'm looking at today is from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Do you know the story? It, it's a story that encourages us to have the faith to conquer what's in front of us. It's the classic story of David and Goliath. I want to speak from this story because there are aspects of David's life that are exemplars of the kind of spiritual growth that leads to living our lives in ways that not only mean that we mature over time, but that lead us to living the vision that we ascribe to, that help us grow stronger communities by putting our faith into action, which we do, as we say, by doing life and faith together, acknowledging that no perfect people are allowed. We aren't perfect, but we seek to grow and mature over time by doing life and faith together. So, on to the story. Many of us became familiar with the story of David and Goliath when we were kids, and with good reason. Who hasn't felt the fear of an obstacle in life that is likened to a bully named Goliath, the giant of a man who boasts as though he is invincible and appears to have the goods to back that up with his bravado? It's such a significant story that the phrase David and Goliath has become synonymous with any kind of battle that seems impossible. Just think of what commentators say when the All Blacks play Uruguay. It's going to be a David and Goliath battle, and many people hope that the underdog will take out the giant like Ireland did in 2016, after 111 years when they beat the All Blacks. The giant was slayed. No longer were the All Blacks the Goliath. We were taken down by David. The overriding theme of this story is that a young man called David, who walks in the will of God, triumphs over his enemies. For background, this story is understood in the context of God's having withdrawn his blessing from King Saul because of his refusal to, to accept God's authority. In doing so, Saul has forfeited his right to remain king of Israel, and he is now ineffectual and powerless to produce a victory over their enemies, the Philistines. In short, Saul has taken his eyes off God and was trying to live in his own strength. And in the face of Goliath's size and his defiance, Saul and his army are paralyzed. For Saul, the prospect of a young teenage David fighting Goliath is one heck of a big risk. You'd be offering pretty good odds for a, for a knockout win by Goliath. In the ring, he's got size, he's got reach, he can pack a powerful punch, he's got tight defense. He's got it all going on in his favor, but he isn't God. In contrast, David's a teenage shepherd boy, appears to bear all the marks of a, a young and, and a zealous follower of God. He's motiv motivated by the impulse to defend the honor of God's name, and his knockout win mobilizes the Israelite army, resulting in a great and memorable victory over the Philistines in the most unlikeliest of ways. David's 
explanation of how he might be able to prevail against Goliath reveals a, a profound faith in God. You can almost hear David with the confidence his brothers so hated, looking up to Saul and saying to him, leave it with me. No worries, mate. I'll sort it 100%. And sure enough, well, you know the story. And if you don't, you can read it for yourself. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And, and in a quiet and yet moving and emotional ending in verse 51, David cuts Goliath's head off. I mean, gruesome, but in its time, decapitation was the decisive sign that the battle is over. I mean, there's no coming back from decapitation. And in a mark of absolute triumph for Israel and disgrace for the Philistines, David even uses Goliath's own sword to separate his head from his shoulders. Victory was absolutely complete. Despite its rather macabre ending, this is perhaps the world's most loved Bible story. It's a story that illustrates God's ability to provide the faith and courage to the most obscure and insignificant of people to overcome the seemingly biggest and most insurmountable obstacles. The young David, undeterred by the fierceness of Goliath's appearance or constant taunting threats, boldly witnesses to his faith in God to deliver God's people and then puts his faith into action like a boss. In the text of this story, we find some keys to growing a faith that produces the courage to overcome challenges that might just come our way, both as individuals and as a church. I continue to aspire to have a faith like David's because challenges to my own faith and challenges to the mission of God in our world, well, they aren't going away. And as a local church, we need to continue to produce faithful courage if we want to continue to impact people around us for the sake of the kingdom of God. Well, like a classic sermon of old, here are three things that made David's life an example of courageous faith. Three things that we could well think about for ourselves as we confront whatever comes across our plate this year. The things that we might know of, and there will be plenty of things that we don't know of. Firstly, David had a passion for the reputation of God. When David speaks to Goliath just before the battle, if you can call it a battle, it was so short, the young shepherd talks about his motivation for getting involved in the first place. He didn't expect a reward for victory. He wasn't looking for anything for himself, even though we may have expected him to negotiate a performance-based bonus with Saul if results went his way. But dates... David's motivation for offering himself to be involved in this really ridiculous situation when everyone else was paralyzed by fear was this. In David's words, in verse 46, so that the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. The reputation of God. David was a young man that wanted people to know God. And he had the courage to put his faith into action to achieve that. He had a passion and a zeal for that reputation to be held up, to be known. Faith in God is not something to be kept private. And as we saw last week, this was also the outworking 
of the woman at the well. When she realized just who Jesus was, she was not shy about telling people. For both the woman and David, their faith was so much more than just a a nod towards God being God. In fact, their lives would show that if that's all we have, then that's actually not Christianity at all. Faith in God is something to be shared. It's just that good. It's what James says in James chapter 2, verse 26. Faith without deeds is dead. Faith without working itself out in our lives is not faith at all. A true and living relationship with Jesus results in us wanting to spread the reputation about what God has done, about what he is doing, and what he will do in our lives for today and for all of eternity. You might remember from last year that Paul puts it this way in his letter to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, he says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. As a community of faith committed to serving our community and our world, this is a focus we need to be constantly thinking about. Putting Christ in the center of all of who we are through our programs, through our services, which of course is simply hundreds of different people volunteering their time and their resources to make the story of the good news known. Knowing the story and continually learning to tell our story is a big part of what we're going to be looking at this year. May the woman at the well and a young David continue to inspire and motivate us to have a zeal and a passion for the reputation of God and to want to make that known. Secondly, David's faith was built on his earlier experiences. David had already experienced the reality of God with him in potentially life-ending situations. In verses 34 to 37, we see him say, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. At a minimum, you have to admire his confidence. But here's the point. Even at a young age, David had learned to remember what God had done for him. And so as life progressed, And the bigger the battles were that he faced, the more robust was his faith and his courage to be able to confront what was in front of him. How many times have we prayed, God, if you get me through this, I'll serve you for the rest of my days. And then he gets us through and we pat ourselves on our backs for being so resilient. But we forget who created the resilience that is within us. We sometimes have short memories of God's work in our lives and his much longer work throughout all of history. Growing a faith that breeds the courage to overcome the seemingly insurmountable is a constant work in progress. And David shows us that we should never forget what has been behind us. 
as those experiences create the building blocks towards a strong and resilient faith that stands out to those around us. If I'm honest, this is something that I personally think quite a lot about. At my age, I've seen a few things. Joe and I have been through a lot. We've had tragedies that we've had to grieve. We've both lost siblings, friends. We've journeyed with people through relational breakdowns. People around us have had to go through suicides, even in our family, financial insecurity, and just generally life being what life is. Uncertain, and a lot of the time, it seems unfair when we have a presupposition about what fairness looks like. I still carry questions that don't have easy answers, but I can quite honestly tell you, all of that has made my faith more robust. I've learned to accept what Jesus says about life in John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have trouble, to which he immediately says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Of course, at the very start of that verse, he also says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I know that most of the questions I still have aren't going to have tidy answers on this side of eternity. And I'm more okay with that the older that I get, the more I experience the peace of Jesus, even when life is troubling. If we allow our formative experiences to build faith in what the Word of God says about life, it enables us to not only be able to deal more maturely with what comes next, it enables us to be those who can be present for those who are still learning these essentials of faith. I've learned that being a follower of Jesus is not a ticket to a healthier and wealthier life, but that the blessing of God, I am blessed, is Christ with me through the Holy Spirit. And that is the only blessing that I need. I wonder what formative experiences that you've had in your life that you can remember that have built your faith that means you have an ongoing and a growing zeal and a passion for the reputation of God. These are the stories that you need to remember. These are the stories that you need to tell. Or thirdly, David understood that God uses the unlikely to achieve the unexpected. You know, we shouldn't be surprised when we encounter opposition to how God calls us to live. The Bible teaches us that there will always be challenges to God's ways in the world, whether it's the Amalekites attacking Israel's rear guard as they depart Egypt in Exodus 17, or Amorite coalitions uniting against Joshua in the Promised Land in Joshua 9, or the enemies of Jesus plotting his destruction in Mark chapter 3, or the continued persecution against Christians around the world today. The, the world has never lacked for enemies of God's people. I mean, even today, research tells us that Christians face harassment in 145 different countries. Maybe New Zealand isn't such a bad place after all. Although other research shows us that throughout history, the church has flourished in more significant ways when it is under persecution. It challenges followers of Jesus to really think about their faith and what it means to them and how they live. Maybe we should encourage some more persecution here in New Zealand. David's energetic zeal and his childlike faith, as portrayed in these events, 
are an exemplar for us today. He's an example of a faithful and courageous servant of God where putting faith into action are the keys to success in in battle. No matter how insignificant you may feel about your ability to be a world changer. Did David have any idea how significant he would be in the world later in his life? Well, to be honest, from everything that we see in his early life, he probably did think that he was going to change the world. (laughs) But is that a bad thing? I don't think so. Having an optimism that history shows us that God uses the unlikely to achieve the unexpected is a a faith-building positive way to live that encourages us to understand that God might just want to use us and His church to continue to demonstrate His presence and His sovereignty in His world. We might not all become kings like David, but... We all have at least one person that we can perhaps influence. So imagine if we just helped lead one person to Jesus, and then that one person leads one other person to Jesus. The maths is simple, that this would be world-changing. So might the exuberance and the dynamic faith of a young David inspire us to believe in ourselves? That God has uniquely gifted every one of us to be part of what God is doing in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our lifestyle villages, in the ordinary places that we go to every day. I came across this quote recently that I love. It's from a book by Tim Dearborn called Beyond Duty. A passion for Christ and a heart for mission. And it goes like this. God's church falters from exhaustion because Christians erroneously think that God has given them a mission to perform in the world. Rather, the God of mission has given his church to the world. It is not the church of God that has a mission in the world, but the God of mission who has a church in the world. The church's involvement in mission is its privileged participation in the actions of a triune God. I need to think about that. It's a powerful quote, though. Because here's the thing. We don't have to reinvent mission. Everything we do here at Windsor Park, whether we're on campus, whether we're online, it's it's simply about the privileged participation and the actions of a triune God who is working in our world well beyond what we will ever know. So my vision, and hopefully our shared vision for our community of faith, is not that we'll have a beautiful new building in the next few years, although obviously that could be on the cards, but that our lives will increasingly reflect the love of Jesus the openness of the woman at the well, and the zeal of a young David for the reputation of God. Everything else will flow from there and flow out of our lives. The challenge is, as it has been all year so far, is how are we cultivating an openness to the Holy Spirit that works itself out through the daily habits and spiritual rhythms that that help us grow and maintain spiritual vitality 
that reflects what we so often see. This challenge is perhaps summarized in a verse that I also mentioned last week, 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, which says, Whoever claims to live in him, to live in Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, must live as Jesus did. May God reveal himself to us today. And may we have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the courage to respond in faith to what he is saying to us. Brothers and sisters, the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, over the last two weeks, we've looked at some super familiar stories, particularly the story of David and Goliath today. But may these stories not become too familiar for us. May we continue to read them and examine them and hear what you are saying to your people, as you have been saying for thousands of years. And today, might we catch hold of the the vision of zeal, of vitality of this young David, who was prepared to conquer something that seemed insurmountable, young as he was. So, Father, forgive us when we feel that we are insignificant and that we don't have a part to play in your mission in our world. Each one of us is uniquely gifted. Each one of us has a part to play in your church, what you have gifted to the world to bring about what you are doing in this world. Help us in 2024 and onwards to grow in our heart, to put small habits in place that help us each day grow into an assurance of who we are and who you are. And help us to take that responsibility to together as brothers and sisters, part of your church, be the participants in your mission in our world. Thank you that you go before us. You, you, you do all sorts of things that we have no idea about. But Father, help us to live our lives in ways that are attractive to the world around us. And well, vision will take care of itself out of that. So thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do for all of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.